Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm my chip ups, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are so excited to finally be back. We did a set the spread. Oh, I know the whole panel here is smiling from ear to ear. We had last week off due to the uh, outages in Texas. Both Kobe and Danny are there, the two guys in this pod with me. And so we had no power. Boys, lights are on, I see. How are we doing? We're doing a lot better. Last week was a struggle. It was a grind. Uh, I couldn't tape, and that was probably the worst part of the whole thing. Fuck being cold. Fuck having to boil my water. I love watching my fights midweek. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we're back. We're good. I just we're- love seeing the way that Reese can just turn it on just like that, like a light switch. Oh, dude. I, Zero to 100. Um, whenever it comes to the ankle pickers, it's always 100. I'm excited to be here, and I, I genuinely missed last week having the set the spread taste from, from this week. I was like, oh. The big one, I am ready. I am ready for the big one. And a big one it is. So because of last week, we obviously didn't have any bats or anything. Or we had bats. We didn't have any predictions and stuff for last week's card. But we do need to recap Usman. We still owe you that. You're not getting off that easy. So we're going to go quick. Um, The the fights we wanted to talk about for the Usman card were the one we had to mention was the one that cost our ankle lock. Adolfo Vieira gets subbed a 20 to one prop that Fluffy Hernandez subs him gets subbed by Anthony Hernandez, massive line, biggest favor on the card to lose. Danny and I were licking our chops and we blew it. Danny. This yeah. was a disappointing one. Oh yeah. And not just because we had money on it, whatever we lost an ankle lock. This felt like, to me, the death of jujitsu, or at least the death of jujitsu from an MMA standpoint. For anyone, ever, for anyone who's ever rolled once, they felt the knife go through their heart there. I oh, mean, yeah. that is so – it was heartbreaking. I mean, Hidalfo Vieira is maybe the highest-touted prospect not named Gracie to make the switch from just traditional jujitsu to MMA. Uh, he's, I think, a three-time Abu Dhabi world champion – it's having him and Gilbert lose two bona fide studs, top 10 in the world jujitsu practitioners in on the same night was an absolutely brutal blow to anyone who loves rolling as Reese just mentioned. Yeah. It, it, the one thing that the one takeaway from the fight that I is, is something I've harped on a lot. And I know they harp on it a lot and like shows like the ultimate fighter, choose like a tender series, even the analysts harp on it a lot how important cardio is it to the game. It's crazy because Hidalgo Vieira, let's just call it a three minute or five minute rolling session. Never in a million years gets tapped to Hernandez ever. Not once. Never. Not once. They ran a thousand times. Not once. And he, and he tapped here. I mean, he's been tapped. I think less than five times ever in, in black belt jujitsu competitions, Like, like rolling with the likes of, um, I mean, the Gordons of the world and the Chris Joneses of the world. And it's crazy. It's, it's one of those things that you'll like, 
legitimately, I don't think the average person knows how rare that was and how crazy that was. But something that needs to be mentioned, and the second I saw that gas tank fading, I'm like, we're done. We're dead. That's it. But a sub of all things, I, it was painful to see. Another thing you want to mention quick, and it'll kind of just like, it's going to get mentioned again later in the news and notes segment, but below Muhammad, uh, won a decision, looked good, pushed on the pace, always has good cardio, always a gamer. And he's stepping up again on short notice, coming up against Leon Edwards. I was a bit worried about those calf kicks, and I'm worried yeah. what a guy like Leon can do to him. But, yeah, it takes Paul to step up that. right away after. And I don't know if there's enough time to fully address the calf kicks. I mean, it's taking the, the sport by storm. If you, don't even have this, if you don't have a slight clue how to defend calf kicks right now, you're almost guaranteed to lose. I mean, you've seen too many phenomenal fighters succumb to it. So I, I hope he doesn't become victim of that to Leon, but that's a fight that's exciting. Do you guys know off cuff when that fight is early April? Yeah, I think it's um, the April week after 17th. the pay per view. Oh, oh wow. is it? Is it the thirty first? Yeah. No, I think it's like the the. It's the thirteenth of March. Yeah, thirteenth of March. Okay. Oh, so it's right after next week. Off. Yeah, I also as well. So it's sooner than we thought. Exciting stuff. And then lastly, we obviously wanted to talk about the fights that we talked about most on the pod uh, previewing this. Uh, pay-per-view so the first one's the middleweight bout Kelvin Gaslam versus Ian Heinish I don't I ended up laying off this one I know I was touting Heinish uh Kobe I think you might add Heinish in your parlay I'm not sure but Gaslam my parlay but I had him Gaslam looked good um and it was good for me to see him come back and in form like this I don't know about you guys I was nervous that we've seen the best of Gaslam but this matchup with Heinish wasn't great for him and he he I think he, he won decisively. Yeah, he looked good. His wrestling looked good. Um, that was really, really awesome to see. I remember that we mentioned a couple weeks ago when we were breaking it down that he's the classic case of a guy with a great wrestling background who fell in love with his hands and then just yeah. never tried to wrestle again. And this was good to see him just win rounds. You don't have to go out there and win fight exactly. of the year like you did with Izzy. You just go win rounds. Exactly. And all the announcers were saying the same things we were touting on this about how the matchup isn't phenomenal for him and is, is the best days behind him after getting tapped by Hermanson so quick, all this stuff. And he, he shut him up and he looked good. And so that was nice to see, especially because Calvin Gaslam is usually a fan favorite, especially after going that five rounds with Izzy. Women's flyweight co-main, the Macy Barber, Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso looked phenomenal. I mean, her striking was phenomenal. Macy Barber looks to put pain on you fast and hard and she throws hard harder than maybe any woman and alexa grasso just stood in there the technical differences were very apparent very apparent and got the got the w so that was good to see that line was close to even probably the the best price you were ever going to get on macy barber but also one of the better prices you were ever going to get on alexa grasso due to the fact they both are shoulders heads and shoulders above a lot of the people around them and then lastly, the welterweight main event, Kamar Usman. I was the only one, only one in main card challenge. Parker was. Parker too. Par- Par- Parker wasn't on the show when we did it. So yeah. out of us three, the only one to have Usman. And I said, I have a four-unit play on him or whatever, three to play. He's never let me down. I don't foresee him letting me down again. He did not. He looked phenomenal. 
Only problem. He, he did look great. It was a bittersweet win because just like Danny, big fan of Gilbert Burns here. Seeing how hard he took it was tough. So, Danny, do you have anything from the from the Gilbert Burns perspective? I mean, you followed his career very closely, as long as all as well as all of us. But you're really deep into it. What do you see next for him? And I'm I'm genuinely curious. Um, I'm 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 hoping that he gets to another just good matchup just top tier opponent, whether that's a Colby or a Jorge, just someone else, someone else at the top of the division. So he can stay up there. Um, To quote another one of my guys, Connor, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in this sport. When he rocked Usman in that first round, I was elated and man, did that flip. I really thought that was it. But someone was saying that like the thing about Usman that makes him so different from everybody else is not only does he have the physical beyond any normal human but he also has the mental i mean he almost refuses to lose and so i know people are always like yeah your light's going off and on it's out of your control i'm convinced that tony ferguson and kamaru usman can control it i'm convinced because they both just do not go out no matter what you get in with a sledgehammer so and it was trevor whitman fight. maybe the best corner man in the yeah. sport you're a champion because of your jab is was maybe the best advice of all time it just that turned everything around. And for a guy who's known predominantly for ragdolling people and using his wrestling, his pressure wrestling, that jab is – that jab that night looked like one of the best I've ever seen in the UFC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. So, tough for Burns, but I have no doubt in my mind we'll see him back here before we know it. And Kamar Usman keeps trucking along. So, I, I'm excited. And I will ride him next time. No matter who he faces, I'll be tailing. Okay, that caps UFC 258. Once again, we missed it. Now comes Blades Lewis. That's last week's card before we get into news and notes and previewing this upcoming card. So we do have our three stars of the week. Um, The third star, I know they always correct me and say we do it like hockey, yada, yada, yada. But the third star this week goes to Julian Arosa. And... Before we move on from this third star, Julian Rosa is a guy who was on a, an old tough season. I don't remember which one. I think it was like USA versus UK maybe. or so, I don't remember. He was on an old tough season. Gets cut, gets brought back to Tuesday Night Contender Series, and has now been lighting it up. Nate Landwehr was a new prospect. KO'd him in under a minute. He has and a loss to the GOAT, Artem, on that, that tough series. That He lost to Artem on that one? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad look. <laughs> that didn't age well. Um, but he beat Sean Woodson, another prospect, who was 7-0 before facing Julian Rosa. Julian Rosa was like a plus 300 dog, something crazy like that. And I think we might have been on him on this pod too. So, anyways, Julian Rosa's coming back after beating two prospects. Looked great. Question I want to bring before we move on, is, unless you guys have something else to add, is what did you think of the stoppage there? I'm glad you brought it up. Um I didn't think it was a great stoppage. Obviously, it was a flush flying knee, and he did drop right to the canvas. But he never really looked out to me, and he was disputing it right away. He was quicker to dispute than he was to get on his feet. Yeah. Um, But this was just a really exciting fight from start to finish. It looked like Arosa got rocked like maybe 30 seconds before he knocked Landward down. It was just – an awesome banger of a minute of fight. 
I mean, I know this is the definition of like an early prelim type fight, but I would love to see it get ran back, honestly, because Barosa got dropped right out the gate. Then Landwehr gets dropped. And I believe Herb Dean was on the call. And the problem is, is this day refs get so scrutinized for being a millisecond late, which is fine. I mean, they're, it's, it's worthy. It's a very dangerous sport. But I feel like the trigger is starting to get pulled faster and faster and faster. And you're starting to lose that element of the sport where these guys can, I mean, I'm not saying Landor wasn't going to get finished there. I mean, the next three punches could have actually put him out. But we, we really don't need to get into this whole like philosophical conversation no, about refs. Um, it's more just a reasoning on why I would like to see. One it. thing I have really noticed that surprised me of late is sp- specific to only Herb Dean. It feels like he's just been out of position more and more and more. He's either on top of the fighters or he's like across the octagon. And so you saw him in situation like in the main event where he's running like 10 feet to stop it. Or you saw like when we saw two weeks ago where he like was doing like that step in and step out, step in and step out. And the, yeah. the fighters thought the fight was stopped because Herb was like hovering over them. And his positioning has just been I mean, weird Herb to me. Dean's one of those guys that everyone knows him. Even the casuals know him. He's been doing it for a very long time. But I think – I. God forbid, I want to say it's the best days are behind him, but he's been on, he's been scrutinized a lot recently. Dan Hardy was jawing at him mm-hmm. a couple cards ago. And we had that one where he stopped it and then didn't stop it. And there was a bunch and of the women's fight. It. Yeah. And then we're going to get to it this week, but Derek Lewis pounded Curtis Blades' head through the floorboard three times because Danny said Dean was leaning up against the cage. It felt like he was so far away. Mm-hmm. So questionable there. But yeah, I, I know they're not going to run this back. And I know Landwehr is not, I last I heard he wasn't looking to like overturn the fight or anything, but it definitely was an early stoppage. And I think we might've missed out on some more fireworks because they were throwing those two guys were ready to fight in a phone booth. Um, moving along our second star of the week. Another good one was who do we have? Aspinall. Tom Aspinall. Oh, Tom Aspinall. Thank you. Yeah. Tom Aspinall phenomenal and he's a guy who's up and coming and Andre Lofsky being a Hall of Famer the reason why Tom Aspinall is the number two star of the week is that sub and I'm and I've been waiting all week and we haven't really talked that much other than set the spread I've been waiting all week for Dan's thoughts on that sub because Aspinall came in as a pretty heavy favorite and everyone expected a knockout if it was going to happen heavy hand Tom Aspinall he throws he slings and someone asked him, I believe it was Ariel Wani, but someone asked Tom Aspinall during the week, everyone talks about his hands, what's your grappling life like? And Tom Aspinall replies back, what's grappling? So what he said, what's grappling? And everyone was questioning it. What is he going to do if he didn't know how to grapple? And he showed right there and then that that's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, he Exactly what you just said. He's a guy who came in with a fundamental boxing background and really was a stranger to that entire side of the sport. But if they, if someone presents you their back, it's pretty easy to take. And so that was a good result for him. And a fun rear naked choke is always fun. No, that was exciting. I actually, that was one of those where I got up and did a, did a scream and I wasn't even involved in betting him at all, but I was just excited about that one. Mm -hmm. I really was. That was an exciting, you know, 90 minute stretch of fights on the card there. Yeah. That was a good stretch for the boys. I mean, the whole, all the fights were pretty good, but that the Tom Aspinall one, especially because 
we haven't seen him in the UFC at less than minus 350. You know, so this was an opportunity to actually ride him in a matchup that was decent for him. But just like the Anthony Hernandez sub, that uh, Aspinall by sub was double digits to one. I think it was 11 or 12 to one, 13 to one, something like that. But those and I guess the most surprising part about that whole thing was that it was Aspinall who shot the takedown. Which I never thought would happen. I never thought would happen. And it didn't look like he was gassing and he, it was, he was winning the exchanges right. on the feet. Power double leg. Crazy. Get, take the back. It's So I'm really excited to watch Aspinall climb these rankings. I really, really am. He's an exciting fighter for me. I, I, I like him a lot. And his poise and his – he's one of those guys that his personality too is phenomenal. He's a funny guy. I was watching some interviews of him, and he's a funny, he's a funny, funny guy. So, props off to Tom Aspinall. And then, obviously, I got screwed on this one. I don't remember where you guys were. Also screwed. Yep. Derek Lewis, main star of the night, the uppercut from hell that no one saw coming. I didn't see it coming. And we all sure as hell know Curtis Blades did not see it coming. What an uppercut. And the main thing I want to take away from it was just the fact that Derek Lewis said, after this fight that that was the plan all along they said he's going to shoot it doesn't matter he will shoot land the uppercut when he does it's a good plan if it works yeah and um, it worked just fine dan do you know who his corner is by chance what camp he's affiliated with Derek lewis yeah i know Ted um, i don't have the top of my head but that coaching staff clearly had the game plan drawn out because curtis blade has been a tough guy to stop it's right? grindhouse fitness i'm not really too familiar with them i just know that the one thing, too, that I want to take away is, did anyone else think Derek Lewis looked as good as he ever has? Not necessarily in the ring, but I'm just saying physique-wise. For sure. He's he's definitely been slimming down in the past two years. Yeah. Um, but he's, he, he's more motivated, too, and stuff. Like, he just seems like he wants Even to in the octagon, it looked like Curtis was respecting him more than, I mean, even Blagoy Ivanov ever did. Yeah. Which is, obvi- which is obviously the right move is – uh, in hindsight, as we saw, because his power is just phenomenal, and that accuracy was insane. On point, insane. And I took Curtis Blades to win inside the distance. That was one of my bigger plays. And I'm not going to lie to you. I after the first round, I was really happy with how it went. Curtis Blades looked phenomenal, and it looked exactly how I thought. And I, I didn't, other than a puncher's chance, I really didn't think Derek Lewis was going to get much done, especially after he's been ragdolled by lesser guys like Marcin Tibera, you know, but again, that was a long time ago. I mean, he looks good. And now he's, uh, he's calling out uh, Ryan Bader on submission underground. Yeah, Another guy that. who has no grappling experience wanting to See? show off his grappling. But that's what he's, that's what he said. He's trying to shut up. He's like everyone, all these MMA specialists are saying, I have no grappling, but I got grappling. And he's trying to get on submission underground, which I think is hilarious. I would love that. One more question I pose for you two boys. Where does Derek Lewis get – who does get Derek Lewis get next? This really throws a wrinkle in the heavy And, then who does, and the really other did. one, who does Curtis Blades get next? Because Blades ran through that division. Absolutely ran through that division. And I mean, so like, Volkov's got to be in the mix with one of the two next, right? I'm not even sure who, which one it is. But Blades just fought Volkov and annihilated him. Right. So is it is it Volkov, Derek Lewis? We've seen that already, right? Yeah, but that one was one of those similar to like a Biggie Boy versus Overeem where it's like Volkov had him the entire time. And Derek Lewis landed that right hook. The other thing, too, Derek Lewis said he will not be fighting a five-round main event. He wants a three-round fight. He's like, I'm done with that shit for now. 
So I'd love to see, I'd love to see Derek Lewis get the winner of our main event this week. Okay. And then John Jones get the winner of that Nganu Stipe fight that it's booked. And then those two winners meet. And I guess that, I guess in my plan, Volkov just kind of takes a seat on the bench for a little bit, which sucks. Just so tough for him. But that's my ideal scenario. I think blades was calling out over him. And I think, or no, he wasn't. Derek Lewis was maybe Derek Lewis. I think was calling out over him. I mean, over him, if he wants another fight, he can kind of be in that mix there too. But again, I think Stipe and Ganu's going to happen. Winner that probably takes John, you would expect. Mm-hmm. And so the rest is kind of the only one. I don't know. It's tough. A lot of great fighters up there at heavyweight. It just gets it just gets thin as you go down. You know, I don't want to see Walt Harris in the mix with the. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> a different for me. So, okay, so that caps last week's card. All in all, pretty decent card for the names in the lineup. I know Danny, Derek Minner. you have anything to mention about that before we move on? Honorable mention, Derek Minner. Definitely honorable mention, Derek Minner. Um, Reese, I don't know if you remember, but I think it might have been the first episode of our podcast or maybe even before we started the podcast, uh, the Bryce Mitchell-Charles Rosa fight. This is now, I think, the second Charles Rosa fight in a row that you think he's a better grappler than he is. And he oh, just yeah, gets big, big on. mistake. And I... I hammered Rosa and I paid the piper and, and it was less about Rosa being good and much more about me thinking Minner was, is not UFC caliber, but Minner dominated Rosa. I mean, it wasn't like one of those things where like, Oh, he lost. He had his moments like Rosa's fought from the bottom the entire time and, and was getting beat up pretty bad too. So all in all, it was a pretty interesting card. Shook up a lot of things and, uh, I know Kunitskaya had a very good upset, which is exciting to see. So, all in all, I think the UFC is putting on a lot of good products, and that will be the transition to take us into this week. First off, ankle lock last week. Did we two have weeks one? ago? Because we, we didn't did have one last, last week. week. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we didn't have one last week. Two weeks ago was a loser, as we discussed, because Hidolfo Vieira gassed out faster than a Hummer. So do you got Kobe? Do you have our ankle lock of the week record up? 10 and five. five. Okay. So we were some like eight and one we've digressed, but we've had a little bit of a layoff with this power situation. And I'm feeling as good as ever about our ankle lock this week. Danny, you uh, love this fucker. So I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so is it, listeners of this show will find this as no surprise. I'm high on a prospect. I love my prospects. I love my Dagestani prospects. Give me a big, the biggest neck beard you can find. And uh, I'm going to bet a lot of money on you. In this case, we've got Ramazan Karamagomedov. Um, he's an absolute beast. He's replacing Randy Brown on less than a week's notice. He's incredibly uh, well-rounded. He's a guy who almost missed his chance of getting a UFC contract. He fought and won on Dana White's contender series uh, versus Jordan Williams, who's now in the UFC. But at the time, neither of them impressed Dana White enough that night for a contract. Obviously, he's reconsidered, and a lot of the MMA community and the, the Sharps seem to be on Karamagomedov. Oliveira, who was a favorite versus Randy Brown, has switched to the underdog. 
it's pretty much even, but we are with the Sharps. We are the Sharps. War Karamagomedov. Yeah, I couldn't agree with everything you said. I'm really excited. And the this late notice, the short notice, I think bodes well for us, honestly, because this is a guy being a prospect with limited tape. I was taping him a little bit, and it was not easy to find a lot of the tape on him. And so I think that Oliveira is going to be – obviously, he's a gamer, and he has tons of experience. But right. preparing for Randy Brown is a totally different fight than this one. So I'm, I, I'm beyond excited about this one. Danny's beyond excited about it. You'll see it on both of our cards without a doubt. So stay tuned. Plug time of the week. Follow us at AnklePickPod on Twitter. We post our official plays there every week. I believe we're both in the green too. And if not, we will be. So check it out. News and notes, boys, girls. What do we have? We have the Bilal Muhammad is going to fight Leon. That's coming up. And Stepping in for Hamzat. And then Valentina Shevchenko, uh, the uh, just Andrade. with Andrade. Yeah, with Andrade. That one also is going to be really exciting. I feel like it's kind of been a dead week for the sport. I know, oh, Alonzo Manyfield versus William Knight was scrapped due to COVID. I believe that happened today as well. So it's more been quicker notes. There's been tiny ones. Couple fight bouts been uh, been announced. I know one Jeremy Stevens is going to fight Drakkar close, which is interesting because that's a move back to the lightweight for Jeremy Stevens. But all in all, all in all, it's been kind of a slow news week in the MMA world. My you got a big if you're a big kickboxing fan, a guy who a lot of people consider to be one of the greatest of all times, Giorgio Petrosian fights in one championship Friday. So if you're an yeah, early listener to this. Check him out. He's a lot of fun. And if you are planning on watching that, it's going to be two MMA bouts, two kickboxing bouts, and I believe a Muay Thai bout. So I love how one does that, where it's it's it doesn't really matter what your expertise is. They kind of hold a well-round fight. So if you're looking to even get more experienced in kickboxing or Muay Thai, it's definitely worth a watch. They do a good production over there. So that is it for news and notes. I got, I got two more small oh. tidbits for news and notes. Bring them. Ottoman Azatar got reinstated. So okay. apparently, Dana, yeah, apparently Dana found out what was in the bag and it wasn't so bad to keep him, you know, off the roster. Uh, has, so that's that's still a little bit of a mystery. Out? Huh? No, public hasn't found out what was in I the bag. I haven't. No, I haven't heard anything. And then Danny's boy, Sugar Sean, got scheduled against Thomas Almeida for UFC 260. Okay, so with that news, let me bring something up for you. Is Sugar Sean undefeated? If you asked him, he would say yes. <laughs> I mean, the answer is very clearly no. I mean, it's like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it. <laughs> Except we were all there to right, hear it. So if the, if the tree falls in the middle of the city and everyone hears it, does it count? <laughs> the tree says no. But what if the tree says that I'm standing up? Which you, yeah, exactly. That's literally what happened. But the, the tree says that you guys are sideways. I'm standing up. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why we fucking love the Sugar Show. So, more news and notes than we actually initially had planned coming in. Anything else, boys? Before we, oh, you know what? I do have one. Did you guys see the video of that bathroom brawl? The yes, the the OU football placeholder. Yep. That Walmart Ben Askren kicks some ass. If you haven't looked it up do so a guy with a worlds of experience background in mma 
gets into a fight with a football player on the OU football team in a bathroom. Video footage leaked. And if you were wondering who won, it's not a surprise. The MMA fighter absolutely kicked his ass. You never want to fight the short guy in a bathroom at a bar with cauliflower ear. Exactly. He had cauliflower ear? Yeah. Yeah. It was the size difference was apparent. The football player like slaps him. The dude just kind of does like a little bug wipe slap. You know what? You know what it was? He looked at him. He looked at his buddy while he's like wiping. And he looks at his buddy and he says, which one you want? That's when you knew it was bad. He had this smirk on his face. Like, I cannot wait to kick these guys asses. This is going to be so much fun. And then he gives him a slap punch. (laughs) Yeah. The two, dude, it was two of the sharpest right hooks I've ever seen. It was like a slap to the face. It was just boom, boom, like really fast. Friends and then he up, had his back within like eight seconds. Flat. Yeah. And then the other guy got jammed into the uh, the stall wall. Did you see that? His friend. Yeah, that Matt returned. Yeah, that was wild. You know, it was tough to tell. He might, he might be, I, I couldn't tell if he couldn't get his hooks in just right or if it was the urine that was between them, but something up, something was yeah, not quite maybe 12 years of MMA experience. The other thing too is if you break down, if you slowly watch it slow by slow, there's a guy who does a step over, not spilling a drop of beer. There's a guy, there's two guys, they fall right in front of him, does a quick step over, minds his own business, out the bathroom door without a drop being dropped. I like AI it. over Ty Lu. It felt like it. It was it was smooth sailing. So that guy. We got might him. have to transition this podcast into just like a analysis of bathroom brawls. <laughs> yeah, just a new segment. We have set the spread, the the regular schedule programming, and bathroom brawl slow mo. So it's good stuff. If you haven't seen the video, it's a, I highly recommend it. It was an ass whooping. And not just because it's an OU player taking it. Yeah, from the Texas guy, from the Big Twelve pod we have going on. So with that, we'll transition into – so we did our ankle lock. We're really excited about that one. That's news and notes. And we'll transition quickly into Rosenstroik versus God. A very exciting main event here for the heavyweight division that we just talked about. So starting off, we're going to do our usual thing. We, I know Danny and I both have a few notes. I think Kobe's coming in a little bit fresh, definitely at least for the main card challenge as always. And we're just going to kind of go through, let you guys know the line, at least when we're recording. This is Thursday night. So you can maybe get some early plays in and drop some knowledge for y'all. So the first fight is a light heavyweight bout. Dustin Jacoby versus Maximum Grisham. And the line on this, which actually shocked me, was Dustin Jacoby minus 185, Grisham plus 160. I thought Grisham would be a favorite there. And it's drifted the opposite direction. It opened a lot lower than that. So Grisham's a plus 160 dog. So this is a really fun one. It's a tough one for me to call. They both have great stand-up games, incredible resumes. Uh, I think Jacoby has something like 70 pro kickboxing fights under his belt on top of his pretty, like, extensive MMA resume. I don't have a play on this one. I'm very excited for it, and I hope that it doesn't hit the mat at all. I'd love to see these guys just stand and trade in the center. Um, But this one's a pass for me. Yeah, I mean – it might sneak my card playing Maximum Grisham as the as the dog. I was real like that was one when I was checking lines after set the spread just to see really where I was gonna what fights I was gonna really look into. This was one that jumped out at me as seeming like a weird line. I would have guessed it would have been closer to even. I mean, Maximum Grisham is thirty six, so he's a little bit older, but I don't know that this one surprised me. He's usually uh, Maximum Grisham his one or two UFC fights. He's been a heavy heavy favorite. And so this one not being that that way. I mean, a Justin Ledet win for for Dustin Jacoby. I think we were on that as a pod, but not 
I mean, nothing that to write home about. And then a contender series win. So this one's going to be exciting. I, I, I could be wrong on this and we'll see going forward, but the line, the one sixties definitely enticing. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't the next fight up on the card is the bantamweight bout Vince. Ooh, Carico. That's what I'm going with versus Ronnie Lawrence. This is another one I'm really, really excited for. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that there are two prospects making their debut. Vince Cachero. I am much more excited about my boy, Ronnie Lawrence. Country Club Um, Kobe. How do you pronounce that name before Danny gets in? And also, Ronnie Lawrence is minus 160. Vince, what? Cachero. Cachero. Plus 140. All right. Now, Danny, now I'm dying to hear what you have to say. Got to get the line out of the way. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Cachero lost his short notice debut to Jamal Emmers back uh, a couple months. Uh, and meanwhile, Ronnie Lawrence had an absolutely dominant contender series win. With, and he has a lot of hype around him. And I, I really actually think that the hype is justified. He's a phenomenal grappler. Uh, he rolls with Bryce Mitchell on the daily. And Bryce actually tweeted a day ago. Um, talking about how it was going to be a Ronnie Lawrence coming out party on Saturday and then deleted it after five minutes because I think that he might have exposed some game plan there. But regardless, if you're getting good rolls in with Thug Nasty, someone who's cooking people to the bone, you are a high, high-level grappler. I expect multiple takedowns in every round. Uh, I expect a dominant decision. Don't be surprised when this finds its way on my card. With that being said, the line actually opened at 185 for Ronnie Lawrence, and it's trickled all the way down to minus 160. So the second you're listening to this, it could be worth the play. I mean, I don't see it getting much lower than that. Everything Danny said, I pretty much just want to hit the retweet button. The one thing I would like to add, other than the Jamal Emmer's loss, uh, Carrico's also lost to Casey Kenny recently. It was in LFA, but... Nonetheless, he's on a he, he's dropped three of his last four fights, including a two fight skid in LFA before moving. Uh, oh, then he won one LFA and then he lost his UFC debut against Jamal Emmers, who he unfortunately missed out last week. Does anyone have an update on his condition? By the way, I know he was having some really bad back spasms. Now, yeah, I, I think he's he was. I think Laura Sango saying he was all right, but still, you hate to see it. But yeah, Ronnie Lawrence. I I actually am with Danny on this one. When we were talking about where we were going to go. We leaned a little bit, I think mainly because of the line, but Ronnie Lawrence probably sees both of our cards as well. And maybe uh, Kobe's parlay of the week, you'll see a little fucking salt-based sprinkle of both these guys. Who knows? So Ronnie Lawrence looking good, 28 years young, and uh, a true UFC debut, not including the contender series. Uh, Light heavyweight bout, William Knight, Alonzo Manyfield, scratched. ESPN be slacking. Women's bantamweight, Alexa Davis versus Sabrina Mazo. I'm sure Danny has nothing to mention. I know I don't, but this line is Sabrina Mazo minus 210, opened at minus 265. So value on her potentially. This one should be a formality. I mean, it's two people on opposite ends of their career. Alexis Davis has fought the who's who of women's MMA. I mean, going all the way back to like Tanya Evinger, and oh. Shanna Baszler and Tara LaRosa. Um, and, I mean, and also Ronda Rousey and also Chukagian. And uh, I mean, she's been around fighting the who's who of this sport for forever. Meanwhile, Mazo is 
definitely on an upwards trajectory. I see that I, I think this is appropriately lined, but as we all know, women's MMA is coin flip, so there could be value on the dog. Alexa Davis is on a three fight skid here. Chukakian, Maya, and Arujo. And I think we were, I'm pretty sure we weren't on the pod yet, but I've been not baiting her, but I've been kind of, she's been tailing off late in her career. And so this could be an opportunity for Sabrina this, or Sabina. But the thing that, the one thing that worries me is experience. 23 years old for Mazo. And as you said, Alexa Davis has fought everyone there is. I mean, there's nothing that she's going to throw at her that Alexa Davis hasn't seen. So that's the one thing that intrigues me about a line being so high. But well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I doubt it sees either of our cards, but you never know. More taping to be done. Welterweight bout. Now we can actually break down the ankle. Or Danny already broke down the ankle lock better than anyone else could. So we don't need to get too much in on this on. But just quickly, the line here is minus 110 each way. Pick them genuinely. So get it in now. It opened with, I believe, Ramazan minus 155. And it's steamed down to minus 110. So right now, when you first hear this pod, might be the quickest time, best time to get your line in. Yeah, old bear is. I mean, he's been that perennial gatekeeper of this 171 division, and I see the gate being open for Ramazan on Saturday. I agree. I the way you broke it down, ankle lock. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Women's strawway, the most annoying voice in the world, Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder. This one is we. This is one that was on when we did the set the spread. The line was up for debate. It, it was. It got bumped from the main card. Angela Hill minus 360 now and Ashley Yoder plus 300. Very high, very high. All I really have to say is Angela Hill's a gamer. She's proved to be a proved to show a lot of upsets in her career. I always used to count her short in a lot of her bouts. I mean, the Michelle Watterson decision, I faded Angela Hill there. It, it worked out for me, but it was really close. Claudia Dalia, I faded Angela Hill there. And that was one of those decisions that a lot of people complained about. Um, oh, Luma. Remember Angela Hill beat Luma? I think we were on mm -hmm. her there too, Danny, or at least yep. you were. Um, so Angela Hill, I mean, she's fighting three, four times a year for the last God knows how long. And she's back here again, making her first fight in 2021 here in February against Ashley Oder. And the line seems untouchable to me, but this is actually a women's fight. I personally am kind of excited for Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a sneaky rematch from 2017. Hill's kind of doing, as you mentioned, like a whole Cowboy Cerrone women's MMA impression where she's fighting 40 times in 40 days. And <laughs> I don't know. I, this, this is a line where stylistically I kind of see Yoder being a little bit of an issue for Hill because she's been susceptible to getting caught in submissions and decent grapplers kind of just laying on top of her. But the line scares me. It doesn't make any sense. There might be a sprinkle for me on Yoder come Saturday, but it's merely just to play on. It's women's MMA. It's a coin flip, and you're going to give me triple my money on a coin flip. Seems like great value. Yeah. I'm not exactly down that road, but if you told me on Sunday that Ashley Yoder won, I wouldn't – I would have been much more shocked if you told me Derek Lewis won. Let's put it that way. So – with that being said, I mean, you, you always can find value there in the women's fights. There's a lot harder to bet as we found because it's just so, there's so many exploits. 
I'll bet if you bet every woman's dog for the next year, you'd be profitable. I'd be interested in tracking that. The other one I've always been interested in is betting every women's over under over betting over every time two and a half. It seems like a decision fast. I always can get like three or four beers down before that fight's over. Um, and then we got the lightweight uh, prelim capper here, Alexander Hernandez versus Thiago Moises. And this line surprised me. It's Alexander Hernandez minus 200. Thiago Moises plus 170. And that line for me personally seems high for Moises, but he opened at 185. So it's actually gotten even, um, it's gotten a little bit, it's regressed a little bit. Vegas was even more on Anthony or Alexander Hernandez, which truly surprised me. This is, yeah, this is one I'm excited for as well. Tiago Moises has been a guy who's made me a lot of money in the past, uh, whether it was that heel hook over Michael Johnson or. or beating Bobby Green in his last fight. He's a guy who I I, I really like to bet on. But um, this is this is not going to be a time that I play him. As we learned, I guess, two weeks ago now, jiu-jitsu for MMA is a whole question mark at this point. Well, it's, 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 the, it's the problem that if you're working purely for jiu-jitsu and MMA, and let's just say that your primary jiu-jitsu, so your, stri- your striking's a little behind, if you don't catch them in a submission, you're mainly working from the bottom, which we all know won't get it done. Right. So if I guess I have a question, do you think that if this fight hits the, if it doesn't hit the mat, does Tiago Moises have a chance? I think Tiago Moises' standup is better than he gets credit for. Like his, his kicks are tough. And I, I wonder that if he works that calf kick, works that body kick, if he can, where uh, Alexander Hernandez down. That's the one thing that I've seen from taping is the kicks could prevent an issue. But would I love would I love to be sitting if and finding out that it doesn't hit the mat? Obviously not. No, I I, I don't want no part of that. I just yeah, the way I see it, I think that Hernandez is just going to be too much physically stronger than him and bigger than him when they enter the octagon. He's going to be able to use his size and strength to dictate whether it does go to the mat or not. And I don't has, feel comfortable betting Moises if it doesn't. I believe he also has a very strong wrestling background, even though he does use his hands. He's got, I mean, I've seen him sprawl before in fights, obviously preventing the takedown. He's, he's forced the issue a little bit. So he does have a wrestling foundation. And so you're right. That, that does worry me. Just 200 seems so high. These mm-hmm. are both very lethal men. And I've always been just like you. I've always been a Moises guy. So, but you're right. If it doesn't hit the mat, am I feeling comfortable? No, I'm not. So with that being said, I, I doubt this sees either of our card, but nonetheless, a very, very exciting fight. Very exciting fight. One that I'm, I'm definitely not taking a pee break during. So with that, that actually caps off, shockingly, the prelim card. A lot of fights there. Don't hold your breath. I'm sure we're probably going to drop another one or two. Knock it on wood, though, just to make sure. But we've had a tough stretch here with fights getting canceled the day of or day before. Kobe, this is your time to shine, baby. MCC. MCC. I'm looking back on it. I think that we blew right past our initial uh, time frame of how long we were going to do this for. But I think it's worked, and that's why we've gone past it. So I think we're just going to keep rolling. I've been enjoying it. it. Yeah, I've been enjoying it for now. We're, we're still in the kitchen brainstorming ideas, but yeah, for now. We're going to stick with it. it. We, we've yeah. got a leaderboard here. 
missing persons alert for the person in first place. Parker just took the lead from Danny from two weeks ago. Parker with 15.66. Danny in second, 14.47. Reese with a slim lead over last myself, 11.56 to 11.49. Man, that's bullshit. So with that, we will uh, get into the main card this week. I'm getting killed. But with that, we're getting the main card. So really quickly, without the – what's the order? It's Parker, Danny, me, you. So Danny, me, you for picking. Yep. Cool. All right. So you guys ready to rumble? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. First fight, featherweight bout, Alex Caceres versus Kevin Kroom. Alex Caceres is minus 210. Kevin Kroom plus 175. One tidbit before Danny gets going. Alex Caceres in a recent interview was saying he's excited, looking forward to being the longest tenured UFC fighter. So how long is this man going to fight for? He's barely 500. We'll find out. Danny, go ahead. That's interesting because he's only – I'm looking at Kevin Kroom's page. Whatever. I, that, that's interesting. No, I didn't Caceres know that. He fought a lot. He was on like ultimate fighter with – uh the Michael Johnson season, I believe it was GSP Koscheck. Yeah, it was it was the Koscheck yeah. season where they brought in that drunk French Muay Thai guy. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite tough moments of all time, where that wasted motherfucker just comes in and works everyone. Yeah, that was awesome. That whole season was really good because GSP was the good guy. Koscheck played the villain. If you have ESPN Plus, it'll be be here in a, in a month or so. So, without getting bogged down, Bogdanovich, Danny, what are you seeing in this one? So Kevin Kroom is a person, he's a guy who had his most recent fight overturned after he choked Roosevelt Roberts out. Uh, he took that fight on one day's notice and tested weed in his system post-fight after, because it was one day's notice. He didn't know he was supposed to fight. And so he got turned to a no contest, which is 30, a whole other can of worms. 31 seconds standing guillotine over a guy who's considered a top prospect in Roosevelt Roberts. Had to add. As a plus 435 straight-up dog, Kevin Kroom was in that. Crazy. Um, he, so Kevin Kroom works really well uh, in close. After he closes the distance with his grappling, kind of some dirty boxing and in the tie clinch. Uh, I, I mentioned it to Reese and Kobe. He trains out of Glory MMA, so he's going to have a great corner team with uh, James Krause as his main ha- head coach, and then also Tim Elliott there, a guy that our podcast loves a lot. And Derek Minner is a guy who he gets roles in every day in camp guy. We just saw absolutely blow out um, expectations. I like the dog here in Kevin Kroom against a very inconsistent Bruce Leroy, who's a good grappler, but somehow seems to give up his back in almost every fight. Um, Kevin Kroom's also been pretty vocal on social media that this fight's going under. He, he, he'll die before this fight sees the third round. So I'm kind of weighing whether or not for my MCC pick, I want to just go with the dog or take the under, which is a similar price. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the dog. Give me the five dimes says plus 175. What's the average at, Kobe? Five dimes what we're going with. Sweet. Yeah, plus 175. Kevin, the hard-hitting hillbilly crew. Perfect. I'm glad 
Danny did that because that actually might see my card, the dog there. I usually fade Casteras. Hasn't worked well recently. He's on a three-fight banger. And I know I was against him for Chase Hooper. So Ben Askren's kid let me down. However, I'm actually on the opposite of Danny here. Not as far as the favorite, but on the other little tangent he went on about the under. I know Kroom's very confident in the under. I've seen those two. I just stylistically, I love the over here. And if it wasn't for Kroom's comments, I would have been all over the over. I wonder if he's going to, if he's willing to lose in exchange for making sure that it doesn't see the third round. I don't know, but Bruce Leroy has great distant management. He's got phenomenal striking and he doesn't throw very hard, which is a recipe for over. With that being said, he also has a good foundation for grappling and he's been in there with, although he got subbed fast, but like a Chrome Gracie, for example. I mean, he got subbed fast, but he's been striking with Steven Peterson, grappling with Chase Hooper. I mean, he's he's logged the time in the octagon. He has the experience. And more often than not, it seems like he's going to decision here. And I don't see it being any different here. Instead of playing, though, to win by decision or a decision, I really can't pick this one. And so for that, I'm picking over two and a half minus 185. Because the fight goes to decision is minus 165, so it's 20 cents. But I'm not paying that because both these guys could easily get a last-second sub. I mean, Do you remember Caceres fighting Austin Springer? Like, I know it only just happened three months ago, but I do not remember that fight. Yeah, I do, but I don't remember. It was on the smith Rackage card. Yeah, it was, yeah, I do remember that fight. That was a good, he was a favorite there, too. He's a heavy favorite there, if I remember correctly, against Springer. But yeah. I laid off that one, or I or I lost it because I would have faded Bruce Leroy. But I'm done fading Bruce Leroy, and I'm just going over because these are featherweights who throw pillows for hands. So that works for me. The over, over, over two and a half. But Danny's. The, I saw the same thing you were talking about with Kroom. I just don't think he's stupid enough to throw a fight to try to finish it. He might be, and then you and we both lose. Who knows? With a name like the hard hitting hillbilly. True. <laughs> You never know. You never know. Man, I don't feel great about any pick that I'm about to make here, but I'm actually going to go Caceres inside the distance plus 400. Jesus. Okay. I don't hate that play at all. It's it's sus. It's a sus play, but I don't hate it. Bruce Leroy is just not a finisher. How? What? Crew's going to give himself up to not let it. That's what. That's what did it. Okay. So. Okay. 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 So. So. No matter what situation, most likely one of us are going to win. Actually, I don't know if it's possible for one of us not to win. Because if Caceres goes to decision, I win. Yeah, it's not possible for none of us to win. Yeah, there you go. Someone's getting points, baby. Hopefully it's not Kobe because the plus 400 would be lethal for the standings, and I would certainly see last place. Moving up the card, we got a Bantamweight bout. Probably the second or third best fight on this card. Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera. The line here, I on our set the spread where this got canceled, I won. Last week set the spread, I somehow managed to throw it away and lose. I clearly forgot. Jimmy Rivera minus 150. Pedro Munoz plus 130. Danny. Yeah, this is, you, you mentioned I, this is a really exciting fight. It's definitely one I'm looking forward to, one of the most on this card. I like both of these guys a lot. And one of the reasons I like both of them a lot is that they both 
like to trade. They like to fight. They like to – they're hittable, which isn't a good quality for them, but it makes for a great fight to watch. Um, in general, I think that – I lean Rivera, and it, it's a it's – a, in all honesty, it's a little bit of a Reese Pulfer take. Rivera straddling the uh, featherweight and bantamweight divisions is definitely going to be the bigger guy coming in. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned that Pedro's very hittable. I think statistically he's maybe the most hittable guy in the UFC. Um, I'm going to lean with the more power and the bigger guy if they're both going to land. So let's go with Rivera. Oh, I love that analysis. I love that breakdown. I love that reasoning. I'm going a little bit different approach than you, though. I They're both very hittable, as Danny said, and it's proven time and time again uh, by both these guys. They pack a lot of power for their size, too. Don't get that twisted, especially Pedro. Hard leg kicks, a lot of power. I think if this one hits the mat, who has a better chance of finishing the fight? I, I give it to Pedro. If this one stays standing, who do I think has a better chance of finishing the fight? I still think it's Pedro. And so for that, I do think this fight's going to end up going to decision. I really do. So can I, wait, can I pause you? Yes. If you're going to, if you're going to say those, if you're going to say that. Yeah. If you're right that I think that Pedro has a better chance of finishing the fight, both on the ground and on the feet, but I think that Jimmy has a better chance of winning the fight on the ground and on the feet, if that makes any sense, like the wrestling versus the jujitsu position wise on the ground. It's yes. And then they're not looking for a knockout punch. So it surprises me after you say that, that you do think it's going to go to a decision. I do. And I think Jimmy Rivera is going to win. It's just so close because I could see Pedro finishing it on the feet and on the ground. And like Danny touched on, it is purely finishing ability. I think that Pedro is more lethal, more likely to finish on the feet and on the ground. But I think that if it goes to decision, Jimmy Rivera definitely will be in the better positioning and that's probably more damage on the feet too. But so this is where I'm going to go a little different. Instead of going Jimmy Rivera, which was where I was initially thinking, instead of going over that line's too high, it probably will go to the decision. I'm actually going to take Pedro Munoz to win inside the distance plus 355. Who knows? Might do it from the ground, might do it from the feet, but I, I do think he's going to do it. I just have that feeling that Jimmy Rivera, although I, I do really like him and I think he's, been overlooked for a long time now he's dropped a lot in a row a lot in a row i think he's like i think he dropped three of his last five maybe four of his last five but those were to Piotr, aljo and marlin for it's- sure but but yes but jimmy rivera got did, did he get finished in all three no only the marlin one he went only to a decision marlin? with both Piotr and aljo yeah that's impressive and pedro just i mean but like we said we think he beat frankie but yeah uh I don't know. I just I'm gonna lean on the finishing ability here, and, I, and I'm hope. I mean, this fight's gonna be phenomenal no matter what. It really. But I guess I, I'm happy you mentioned that Frankie fight because that's kind of the same thing as what I said earlier. Is he was he got hit enough in that fight that it was questionable. I I do think he won. Yeah. But I if agree. he gets hit that much in this fight, it's not gonna look as clean. No, it's Rivera is gonna rip him up. I agree with you. I think Rivera by decision potentially could be a great play too. I don't know what the line is on that. But there's a lot of good ways to play this one. It's just there's so many different ways it could play out as well. So it's Rivera it's by decisions plus 100 flat. Oh, wow. Okay. That is not a great line. <laughs> you better just pay the 50 cents. But um, I'm going to go with Munoz straight up plus 130. 
Okay. Where's the plug? He's on an island. And Danny, what did you took? I took just Rivera, Rivera straight up. Rivera, perfect. I love this. On an place. island. I love. No Trinidad. We don't I'm know. On an island. We don't know. Uh, Pico de Gallo still is yet to make his plays. Kobe, do you have his plays or is it no. to be determined? Okay. TBD. TBD it is. Um, moving our way up the card, we got women's flyweight bout. Montana De La Rosa versus Mayra Bueno Silva. Danny. Oh, the line. Silva minus 140. De La Rosa plus 120. Um, this one, women's MMA toss-up. Uh, give me the dog. I'll start it off there making my pick. Montana De La Rosa. Um, for all the same reasons that I say for every women's MMA fight, give me the dog with the coin flip. But I do think she has the better strength to schedule. She does train out of elevation. We talked about Whitman being the smartest corner man in the world. Um, if she fights smart, she has all the tools to win it here. Obviously, Bueno Silva's got better jujitsu. But if Montana can get a, a takedown and then just stay disciplined enough and stay in half guard and not get caught in an armbar triangle, I think she'll take this decision. I am going to start my theory out now. And I'm going to take over two and a half minus 235. Free money. Unless she gets caught in a submission, then we're both fucked. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Silva by decision plus 215. Not bad. Co-main, I'm actually really int- interested to see their picks here. We got a lightweight bout. Light heavyweight bout, sorry. Nikita Kirilov versus Magomed Ankalaev. And it's no secret where the pod, I mean, we love both these guys, but we've talked about Ankalaev quite a bit now with multiple Kutalaba fights getting scratched. We've covered all of them. So Danny, lead us off here. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where you go. So I think that I'm, I'm very high on Ankalaev, by the way. I think that he's a real, real prospect in this 205 division especially with John Jones leaving. Um, it's an interesting thing because I've said for years, and I'm, I'm sure, Reese, you've heard of it a ton, that light heavyweight was one of the only divisions in the UFC that didn't have, like, a dominant, heavy pressure wrestler. Yeah. Uh, someone that you were scared to just shoot double legs all day. And I think that Ankle Live has the skill set to be able to be that. Um, he's got a the same Dagestani, Caucasus Mountain Warrior, Neckbeard, um, MO that everyone else from Dagestan has, but, uh, he actually has some pretty decent and clean hands too, as he showed with that Kudalaba knockout, um, which is why I'm really high on him, which is why, and why I think that he's going to be a factor and probably fighting for the belt one day and why he's a massive favorite. Obviously the, the betting public agrees with me. Um, I just don't see a lot of, a, a lot of different ways for Krylov to win. And so I'm going to have to take ink live. I can't get I can't get too interesting there because as I said he can knock him out just like that or he might just be a wet blanket for three rounds and grab it 30 27 um because he's the skill set to do either yeah I think he's I'm kind of banking on the fact that he's looking to make a statement here not that he needs to we all agree he's phenomenal and he's lethal everywhere but I actually think that usually I look before I'm gonna pick how it's done I try to figure out the point difference. Like I've been saying 20 cents here, 50 cents here. 
This one seems big enough for me, just like Danny said, because of how many different ways he can finish it. It's hard to pick a line. But I'm going to go Uncle Live wins by KOTKO at minus 105. It just seems a lot safer than sub to me. And you can get just, inside the distance minus 115. I didn't want you to tell wow. me that, Dan. Wow. We're good people here. We want everyone to make it. I'm fighting out of last place. Those 10 points could not be The only bad guy is the bookie. We're winners here. We're winners here. Give me the give me the 115 on the inside the distance. That's uh, also where I'm at, by the way. But yeah, I'm worried about I'm worried about the decision as well. But it's just too much too many points in my opinion. I think Danny probably has the best shot to pick up some points here. But even if it. it's like point two, right? <laughs> hey, you're you're ahead of us for a reason. Can we get Uncle I have on the ankle pick pod? I would love that, but I think someone's got to learn Russian. Maybe I can get Rom to translate. I can speak. I can count to ten. I've got. A, I. It's actually funny. I have a roommate that speaks fluent Russian. So if we want to get these I Russian fighters on, like, yeah. it's not that hard of a workaround. No, we could do it. It would be a longer pod for the boys, but I think it's worth it. With that, we're gonna stick a thumbtack in that right now because obviously that's a down the line thing after he wins this week. Um, heavyweight bout main event: Jair Biggie Boy Rosenstruck, Rosenstruck, Garzino versus Cyril Gan. The line here, big in, Cyril Gan minus 265, Jarazino, Rosenstroik, plus 225. Danny, this one's got you conflicted, just like a lot of these other ones. You love both these fools. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the game. You love the sport too much. Sometimes your friends fight your other friends. It's what um, happens. Now, where is your hard-earned green being landed? That's the question. So, yeah. Trying to take an unbiased perspective from this or an unbiased look, I was really confused at the line. Just based on strength of schedule and based on like the fighters' trends, they're both coming off a big knockout over JDS. Jarzino has the tougher strength of schedule. I would assume that Vegas would give him some respect. And I guess I'm going to go with my hard earned dollars with the value i'm gonna take the dog give me biggie boy um he's for a couple reasons the first is obviously that the values there i see this being a lot closer to even and clearly you can get a lot more value on jarzino um but secondly jarzino has fought in a five-round fight before cyril gone has never seen the third or he's seen the third round i think once Versus that Tanner Bozer fight, which he I think was the fresh. second of his career. He did look shockingly fresh in the third. He did, but shockingly fresh. Like I what was about the fourth and the fifth. We have we don't know. Does he have the punching power to split over his face in the end of the fifth? I don't know, but also do I don't know if it goes there, and I don't know if a lot of people think it goes there. The over under is two and a half, but if it does, I agree. You. But start these are both guys that have a ton, and I mean a ton of kickboxing experience outside the UFC. Yeah. Like Jarzino, maybe even more than Cyril. He's got something like a hundred kickboxing fights outside of the UFC. I don't see Cyril being able to just knock his block off like Francis did. I no. tend to think that Jarzino is going to be safe. And But we talked about that mixing in the grappling. We've talked about the sheer athleticism that Gon brings to the table on the only people that the only person that people like to compare him to is similar to an Engano. They're just so they're built different. They really are yep. built different. 
I, I think he does lack a lot of experience like you touched on. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, what about that mixing in the grappling? Does that wear on Rosenstrike a little bit? You know, there's a lot of questions around this one. That's why I'm so intrigued by what you have to say. Well, I actually, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm actually going to flip flop at the last second because of something you mentioned, Reese. I did not know that the over was at two and a half and I really like the over two and a half at, at that almost even money, minus 115 either way. Yeah, I think these guys have a ton too. of respect for each other. I think yeah. that, as I mentioned, Cyril in his first five-round fight is going to approach that first round like a warm-up, just trying to get his feet under him. Um, and, and I could be very wrong. We could see a 10-second knockout. Both of these guys have the power to do it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to need more fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a longer one for both these guys, especially because they both know the weapons they each have. They both are aware. They're both going to respect each other, and there's going to be a big feeling out process. The one thing, Danny and I were looking at this one for ankle lock, the over, and the one thing that kind of deterred us a little bit was the fact that you could be good for 12 minutes and and 27 seconds, you know what I mean, and and still lose or – nine minutes and whatever, you know what I mean? Just it, it can mm-hmm. change on at, with one singular punch at any moment. And that's obviously why the, there's potential value there, but there's always that risk. I, I like that pick though. But I also like knowing that, that if you, if we weren't playing this game, we were doing MCC or main event challenge or whatever that you, you would be liking the dog there at the price, which is an interesting. Cause I, I, I am so torn on this one. These are guys who I've, both think have super bright futures in heavyweight and two reasons why I'm a lot higher on this heavyweight division than I have been in years. It's a lot more exciting. It's got a lot more deeper, just it's a lot more skilled deep. guys. Yeah. It's starting to get deeper because it wasn't for a while. It wasn't for a while. It was weak for a while and it's starting to get there, which I like to see. So Danny's on the over <clears throat> two and a half. I actually do really like that pick. We talked about that being a potential lock. The thing for me is I I want to be on on gone here. And the reason why is I touched on it a couple times. I touched about it on set the spread. We didn't get too deep into it, but I feel like Rosenstreich has kind of gotten flung up the rankings a little bit faster than gone has. I think he jab knocked out Crowder, which everyone lost their mind, but that guy's got a chin of dust. And he had us very he pretty much lost the Overeem strike other or Overeem fight other than the last two seconds. And, and it's, he won that fight. I'm just saying that that showed to me that he might not be ready for this stage quite yet. He, he'll get there. He's relatively new to the MMA scene. He'll get there. It's more like, I feel like he kind of got projectiled up the rankings where Gon's kind of been built a lot slower. And I really think they're trying to make a star out of him. I think he can win this via KOTKO. I really do. I also think, that based on what I saw the one or two times it did go into the third round, he showed great energy and he has a great ability to mix in grappling. And I think that he could potentially use that as a means of getting separation, shaking something off if he does get tagged or even using it as an opportunity to rest a little bit from top. Um, And so I, I'm scared it could go to decision. And that's why I'm going to lay the the 265 on God. I'm not going to mess around with trying to pick away. Um, if if something happens like last week where Biggie Boy catches him with an uppercut like Lewis did, 
I would be sad. I think Gon's got a great future. But again, like Danny said, both these guys are phenomenal fighters, have a ton of experience. And no matter what happens this weekend, they'll both be back. This is not the last time you're seeing either of these guys. So I just looked up the stats, Reese, um, because this was something that I, I was a big question mark for me in terms of that grappling and how Jarzinho would respond to it. He stuffed eight of 10 or yeah, he stuffed eight of the 10 takedowns that Overeem attempted during that five round fight. Wow. Overeem went two for 10. Yeah, that's, that is a good not node for you taking, if you were going to take the, well, both, that's actually pretty good for you. Not only for both the over, but also if you were going to lay that dog price, I mean, being it's a, it's a mixed bag because you're probably never going to get Rosenstrike at plus two, anything ever again, mm-hmm. but you're also not going to get gone and minus two sixty five for the foreseeable future either. And I mean, every time we've seen him before, it's been minus 500. This is the first time I can actually play it. Uh, so I guess I'm looking forward to that too. That might be a little bit of a factor. I won't lie, but I'm, I'm going to get cute with it. I'm taking gone inside the distance, even money good. plus 100. It's a good bet. It's a goddamn good bet. So anyways, that'll cap off our main event challenge this week. It was so, or main, main card challenge. It was so great to be back boys. I'm excited for this card and I'm excited just to shoot the shit again, get it rolling. I hope our listeners are enjoying and downloading, rating, liking, commenting, subscribing, following on Twitter, whatever else you got to do. Following in real life. I know I've been, there's been this guy. I can't get to leave me alone. Yeah, you can't shake. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's we, we want you following us in online and in real life. Fuck it. Roll with us in the middle of the street. Who knows? We just some moves. <laughs> you uh, ankle pick me on the sidewalk. It's on. Ankle pick, baby. I'm going to ankle pick you. So it wouldn't be closure without saying... Let's go! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.